Empire. I'm your host, Louis Alfan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. And we sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks. Of course, here it could not be any prettier. It oh, I'm telling you. absolutely glorious day. Blue skies, kind of cool this morning. That's right. Just enough for a fire. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which I had to leave to come up here. So, there you uh, <laughs> go. There you go. South Louisiana this time of year is oh, just absolutely beautiful. If you have any plans to visit South Louisiana uh-huh. or Louisiana, this is the time to come. Oh, definitely. The weather is just so, so nice. Of course, during the summer, it does get just a little warm. Well, we consider warm. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you live on a summer it'd be all right yeah <laughs> pretty good and, comparison yeah lots of things going on as well of course mardi gras is coming up here right no just actually er- early this year yeah i think it's the 17th of february so that'll be a big 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 oh most definitely and of course next weekend is the 40 anniversary agco automotive that it is party that it is <laughs> another major event <laughs> <laughs> just like mardi gras huh? that's right almost <laughs> <laughs> almost as big at least to us it is there you go yeah we're gonna have a big spread over at chef john false's place right white oak plantation looking forward to that's it right a couchon delay yeah which in case people don't know what that is it's a roasted pig right in case people around the country doesn't know what a couchon everybody locally knows what that <laughs> <Sure>. is sure <laughs> and of course they got all kind of other little things to eat we got a big 18 piece swing band gonna be there all right parties music so i think it'll be a good time for all sounds great there you go can't wait to go <laughs> that's right well myself i was speaking with a gentleman at the shop earlier this week and he had some problems i think he had some coils that had burned up on his car ignition ignition calls, calls right. right the check engine light had come on and okay it was because some ignition calls burned up and he says why did this happen and i said well you did not replace the spark plugs in your car and so what happens is as the gap got wider and wider the computer just compensated by increasing the duty cycle on the coils sure and once it exceeds the duty cycle then it starts to burn them up he said, well, I never had any symptoms. And I think that's a good, good point that I'd like to go more into. Right. On a modern vehicle, you're not going to get any symptoms because the computer is designed to isolate the driver from symptoms. People don't like feeling symptoms. Right. They don't like their mileage to drop off. They don't like a rough idle. They don't like a misfire. So the computer is designed in such a way that it's going to cover those up. Now, the key is you've got to do the maintenance at the recommended intervals because it's not going to give you those little warning signs like old cars did. Old cars would start running rough, start idling rough, the mileage would fall off, and you knew you needed spark plugs. Right. By the time it happens now, you're many, well, many dollars into a repair instead well, yeah. of just maintenance. Same thing with a transmission service. Probably the first warning you're going to get is transmission going out. Right. It's not Missing gonna, a shift or yeah, not shifting. And, or And you're into a major repair at that point. So. One of those things, I want to go more into it a little okay. bit later in the show. We're going to take a phone call. we got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, gentlemen. Yes, Good morning. Sir. Y'all take care of our car. We have 2012 MDX Acura. Okay, uh-huh. sir. Yes, sir. And in this June, it's going to be finished being three years old and start being four years old. Okay, sir. It's had light mileage, 14,500 miles is on it at present. Yes, sir. At the end of that three years, isn't it time to look at coolant, your battery, and check the bells? It is. Jim, what I would recommend to you is just call Elaine and tell her you want a general inspection. And what a general inspection is, they will go through and check pretty much every part of the car that gives problems. They will also review maintenance that's required because if you just go to the maintenance schedule, there's not going to be one for 14,000 miles simply because most people put 14,000 miles on the first year. 
Right. So it's a little misleading. Your car is under a little different set of circumstances. So, so in, instead of mileage, we're going to be looking at time. Time Me and too. mileage. That's what I'm looking at. Absolutely. Correct. What you can do now, Jim, is you've got a perfect opportunity to go in and start preventing some of the problems that are going to show up later if you don't do them. Right. Me too. So just call or tell you on a general inspection. They'll go through the entire car. They'll compare everything to factory specs. They'll check the pH on the coolant. They'll check all those sorts of things, check the brakes, all those type of thing measure the belts look at the belts look at this look at that and then we'll give you a complete program custom tailored to your car you know what else we could do that vehicle is still under warranty correct yeah. so we could actually do a pre-warranty inspection right we can go over the vehicle look to see if there's any things that are going bad that would be covered under your warranty before it runs out you can take it back out of the dealer, that's, do it under your warranty. That's won't absolutely cost you right. Because oh, that's a good idea. Well, Thank you all for thinking of that. A lot of times, Jim, what happens is let's say you've got a valve cover gasket that is starting to leak, but it's not dripping to the ground yet. Well, you have absolutely no way of knowing that, but that's right. covered under your warranty. Correct. Now, what's going to happen is a year from now, it's going to start dripping on the ground, and you're going to pay for it. You bring it in just before you're out of warranty, we'll find that. Also, we check like for recalls and things like that. We'll give you a list of everything, any technical service bulletins that pertain to your car. Hey, you know, your air conditioner is maybe five degrees warmer than it should be. So, I mean, while it's under warranty, you paid for that warranty. It was included in the price of the car. Yes. So what you want to do is you want to make sure you're not trying to get something for nothing. You're just trying to get everything you paid for. Right. That'd be unique, wouldn't it? That's right. That's right. Exactly. And the general inspection and the pre-purchase inspection are very similar. We just check a few more things. Yeah, I agree with Brian. I'd get it in just before it goes out of warranty. Let me check in case there's something that's beginning that we can catch that maybe you can get warranty on. That's a good deal. We've always changed the oil quite frequently. Mm -hmm. and. It said that it was time, the last time we had the oil changed, it said it was time to check the differential. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If I delay that to June, that's not a big deal, is it? No, it's not going to be an emergency. It needs to be done, but not an emergency. Okay, because I'd like to have it done all at the time. Uh-huh. Okay? Mm-hmm. Well, idea. we'll do that. All Thank right, you all very much. Yes, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 All right, 291-6901 is the number, and we're going back to our phone lines. Mike, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Lewis. How you doing? You're doing great, sir. Listen, I have a problem with my wife's car. She has a 2013 Buick LaCrosse. Okay. Beautiful car. Rides good, handles good, good gas mileage, the whole nine yards. And we have a steering, not really steering the suspension problem. Okay. When you hit a bump, it wants to walk to the left. Okay. It steers to the left. Have you ever heard of something called bump steer? Absolutely. I've okay. probably written more on that topic than anybody in the United States. <laughs> I brought it to the dealer. He doesn't, and I brought it to my local mechanic. Mm-hmm. We got underneath. I got underneath the yeah. car with him. We checked everywhere. Yeah. Couldn't find it. No, you're not going to, Mike. You're not going to see it. You're going to see. You need to bring it to someone where we can go in and measure it. What you're going to have is something is out of level between Correct. the rack and pinion and Correct. the control arms. They're not traveling in the same plane, so exactly. that when the car moves up and down, the wheels steer in and out. We can I find did. that in about less than an hour. I can tell you exactly what it is, and we can fix anything on it. I did so much research on the internet about it, and mm-hmm. it says mostly in race cars are cars or trucks that are lower than it changes the angle of it. Well, as far as from the factory, yeah, though. no, that's yeah, one, but- one thing. Anything that causes that to be out of level, and it could be something like a rack and pinion bushing. I mean, it could be the caster is set too high on one wheel, which rotates that strut. There's hundreds of things that can cause it. Right. But if you know how to measure, 
then you can find it. It's not a big deal. We can find it. We can fix it. But, now, now one one guy told me he went around the car and he checked all of his struts. Or in the, on this suspension here, it's called hyper strut. He said the back right one mm-hmm. might be bad because it bounces more than the other ones. Could mm-hmm. that cause it? It can contribute to it for sure. Yeah, if you got one <laughs> rear wheel bouncing more than the other, then the car is going to dip in the front. When it dips, it's going to throw the angles off, and so yeah. it'll start bump steering. That's a possibility, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't think that would be what's causing my wife, this. My wife doesn't seem like it's too bad. Yeah, but we went to New Orleans a couple of weeks ago to mm-hmm. the Saints game, and when I hit a bump, it actually took me over the, the striped line. That's how mm-hmm. bad it mm-hmm. went over. Yes, sir. Now, you still under warranty on it, Mike? Yes, sir. It's got under 30,000 miles. Well, right. what I would do is get it in pretty quick. Let's check it, because if it is something that's covered under your warranty, you want to get that covered. Okay. I can give you a diagnosis on it, and then you can just take it back over there and say, hey, this is what's wrong, and they may not believe you, but say, hey, okay, if you don't believe that, then you fix it, because it's doing well, this. And yeah. Okay. And, and then I'm gonna go get it fixed, and then I'm gonna bring you the bill. Okay. Because it's under warranty, and obviously you can't take care of it. Okay. Can I just make an appointment, or just bring it in one morning? Be and best drop it make off? an appointment because if you you can just drop it off, but there may be 30 cars there that day, and it might not right. be looked at. So if you make an appointment, okay. they're gonna block out a time, and they can have a guy ready to work on it that day without any problem. Okay. Okay. But yeah. No, well, no problem. Uh, we can diagnose it for you. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. I thank you very much. Hi, right, Mike. Thanks for calling, man. Yes, sir. Thank uh, you. Bye-bye. Hi, 291-6901 is the number. We, <coughs> if you want to be part of the automotive, we'd love to have you. We got Joseph online. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning. How you doing? Doing good, good morning. I have a 2007 Avalanche, and when I'm driving, I'm getting a little wheel noise. I'm assuming it's probably a hub. Okay. Could very well be. We, we've seen a problem with those. What's happening is only when it's cold. Uh-huh. The brake light comes on. It says service brake system. Yes, sir. The traction control goes off. Uh-huh. The yes, sir. Mm-hmm. stability track goes off. Right. And I changed one of the hubs over the summer, mm-hmm. and it didn't do squat. Yeah. Well, you may have changed the wrong one. That may not be that problem. See, a noise can be a bearing, but the bearing is not necessarily the other problem. There's a lot of other components on that thing. That has probably active braking on it. And there's a little device under the hood that it's like a little vacuum pump that actually keeps the booster pumped up. We've, we change those quite a bit. And there's several other components. Now, what happens is that when there is a brake malfunction, it's going to flag the other two lights because they all read off the same bus. And once that bus has a code in it, it's going to interrupt the communication. So all the lights are going to come on at one time. Right. And you have to have Tech 2 GM scan tool to retrieve the code, which should be set. You can't get it with a generic scan right. tool, but you if you take that factory tool you can go in and you can read the body codes and pull up the codes and see where to start yeah it just gives you an idea what circuit the problem is in and then we can go from there and check it and tell you what it is but that's probably two different problems although it could be could, one i mean possibly. if you got a bad wheel bearing and it's interfering with the wheel speed sensor that could cause all of that but okay. you know, that i wouldn't necessarily Man, jump to that conclusion no i've seen them bearings just about coming apart and never set up abs right, codes right. so it's, sometimes it's, they do but most of right. the time they don't and most time Only- that breaks it's something else it only does it when it's like real cold outside. See, like right now, it's just the traction light on. Yeah, it's just you know, know matter. It just a matter of different things. And the right. cold and the heat affect different things different ways. You, same thing. You still got to go in and get the code to know where to start looking, and then start doing some tests. And once you find the bad component, replace it, and you'll be done. Okay. And how much would y'all charge just to look at it? I mean, I yeah, know there's just a- like well, there ain't no looking at it. It's a matter no. of diagnosing it. And we charge ninety five dollars per hour. We charge in one-tenth of an hour increments. What that means, if I go in there and look at it for 
one tenth of an hour is nine dollars and fifty cents. If I look at a half hour, you know, it's forty seven fifty. If it takes an hour, it's ninety five dollars. That's I how we do it. it. And that's the fairest way to you and to me. You know, we're not trying to profiteer, we're just covering the man's time. But we only right. pay for the time we actually spend. And there are other people who have like a flat rate, they charge right. this much, no matter if they do it in ten minutes, they still charge you for X dollars. We just don't think that's fair. So we prefer okay. bill by the hour. And we're real fair, we're real honest, and we're quick. So I mean something okay. like that, probably less than an hour I could diagnose it. Okay, and generally, once y'all diagnose it, y'all will tell me what it is, and exactly. I can change it and all that kind of good if stuff. If you want to do it yourself, you can, or we'll do it for you. We'll give you a price to do it for you. You say, no, I'm going to do it myself. That's fine. Yeah, okay. However you want to do it. Okay, where are y'all located? Well, I'll tell you what. Just go to my website, and you can get any information you need. It's agcoauto.com. Okay, all I'll right. do that. Thank, Thank y'all thanks, so much. Man. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, 291-6901. we got to take a quick little break. Richard and Robert, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. West. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Call her what you want to know. Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have, and we'd love to hear from you. We've got Robert's been patiently holding. Good morning, Robert. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing good morning. I just heard you talking to the, the last guy, and that's, I guess, similar to what I have. I have a Ford F-150 2008, and the ABS light has come on and come off so many times that I've brought it back to the dealer mm-hmm. and also brought it to another local mechanic. Yes, sir. And I was told that unless the light's on, they can't diagnose it. Well, and, uh, no, sir, that's not so because anything that late of a model, like a 2000, you know, back in 1995, that was true. On a 2008, what it does, when light comes on, it's going to register a code in memory. And it should also do a freeze frame, so you can go in and see what happened. Now, there is one possibility, and that is that it's not setting a code. And if that's the case, more likely you don't have an ABS problem. You actually got a voltage problem in the truck. Because when the voltage in the truck starts to drop down below a threshold, it's going to start to knock the computers out. They're going to go crazy, and they're going to start shutting down. Right. They're set for a certain voltage. And when it gets below that voltage, it starts freaking out. It doesn't understand, wait a minute, I'm comparing this voltage to what I'm supposed to be getting, and I'm not getting that. So it it kind of shuts them down. And for whatever reason, the ABS computer seems to be the most sensitive. Sensitive, It's the one that goes out first, in my experience. So what I would do, if you bring it in, you check it first, there are no codes in memory, and you know the light was just on. There should have been a code. So... Either the ABS module's going bad, it's losing codes, or you got a voltage problem in the system. You'd have to do an electrical system profile to see if voltage is either too low or too high. Because if it goes above about 14 volts, it's going to do the same exact thing. 
So it could be something as simple as the alternator is in the initial stages of failing. Maybe it's got one bad diode in it. It can keep up most of the time. Under certain circumstances, it can't. The voltage changes. It goes up. It goes down. And it flips out that ABS computer. So you could also have a loose battery cable that would cause that. Loose battery cable, B terminal on the back of the alternator, loose or corroded, right. cause that. Any number of things can cause it. Even a wheel speed sensor that's maladjusted or has some metal on it, especially if you've had any brake work done and they turn the rotors, maybe they didn't get all the metal filings off. That sensor's a magnet, so the metal goes and sticks to the magnet. Which closes the gap up right. between the tone so ring. It thinks that wheel is locking up when it's not, and so it's confusing the computer. And it's not going to necessarily set a code because it thinks it's normal. It just thinks the wheel's locked up. So Correct. there's lots of things like that that can occur. Now, if it only does it maybe once every six months, it's going to be real hard to find. If it does it pretty much once or twice a week, you'll probably find that. No, that's what it's doing. It's doing any kind of lengthy highway ride, it'll come on. And when you turn it off, it won't come on for another three or four days. But, yeah, I'll take the time out and bring it in and let y'all look at yeah, it. Yeah, it wouldn't be a bad idea to just at least look and see because I'd hate to see you have an alternator go out at an inopportune time and end up your truck not starting or burning something else up that could have been prevented. Right, and I'd hate that myself. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank you all very much. All right, Robert. Thanks, man. All right, bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want part of the automotive aisle, we'd love to have you. And we oh, up. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Richard. Boy, <laughs> you and these buttons. I tell you, well, they stick them all together. <laughs> Richard, I'm sorry, I inadvertently cut you off. You call right back. I'll put you straight up to the top of the list and get your questions asked. I apologize to you for hitting the wrong button. Well, I got three buttons in a row, and they're all real close together. Yeah, and I can't. And your have fingers are anyway. just that big. Yeah, and that's right. You can't my, see. My fingers and... are big, and I can't see. So. <laughs> 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 I push the wrong button about half time. I'm telling you, that is a good scenario. That he brought up and that is that the light does not have to be on when a light comes on on a modern car and i say modern anything from 96 on up right which is the obd2 right it's going to store a code it does not have to be on and it is also perfectly normal for the light to come on and go off because it tests under different conditions and under certain conditions it turns the light off correct it confuses people a lot we can go phone lines richard i'm sorry richard what you got this morning man Yes, sir. I'm going to tackle a little problem Monday morning. I got a 07 GMC three-quarter ton 6.0. Okay. And I think the, the O-ring on the pickup tube on the oil pump is going out. It's 256,000 miles. What makes you think that, Richard? Well, in the summertime, it's okay when it's warm. But then in the wintertime, when it's cold, mm-hmm. when I crank it up, it, I have to keep it idle fast or the valve will start, I mean, the lift will start clattering. And when it gets up to operating temperature, then it's okay. But in the summertime, or if the motor's hot, it's okay. Yeah, I doubt it's going to be anything to do with the oil pump. That would be better when it was cold because all is thicker. So a weak pump or leaking pump can deal with it a lot better with thicker viscosity oil than it can with thinner oil. I don't think that's going to be your problem. Now, you might check and see if you got active fuel management on that one. A lot of them do, and you got to kind of sort of know what you're looking for to tell. But you could call the dealership, give them the VIN number, and ask them if you got active fuel management. It sounds like you may have a problem with that because under certain conditions, that dumps all back into the pan, and that can cause that kind of an issue. 
I would think you're more likely into something like that. You say when it's cold, the noise is much worse? Oh, and in the mornings when it's cold, it's got to get the full operating temperature mm-hmm. and then some. And it, you sure it's a valve and not like a piston slap or something like that? No, sir, it's a lifters. Mm-hmm. I hadn't worked on as many as you, but I've been doing it since 57 and yes, raised sir. boats and everything else. Yes, you know? sir. Yes, sir. I would check and see if that's got active fuel management because if the active fuel management valve in the pan sticks it can dump a lot of oil under certain conditions that's what okay. it does it bleeds the oil off get the uh, lifters away don't open in certain cylinders that's a shut side shuts the cylinders down i sure appreciate it all righty thank you thanks man bye-bye all right 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive eye we would absolutely love to have you and we've got dave online good morning dave yeah lewis mm-hmm. hey i got an 04 dodge dakota 3.7 crew cab uh-huh 115,000 miles, and lately I've been getting a very hard shift from first to second. Okay. And it'll do it a, a day or two, then it'll smooth out, and then another week later it comes back and it does it again. Let, let me ask you a real important question, Dave. When it does it, is it after you've been driving for a while, or does it get go? Do it right off the get go, and then it'll keep doing it if I'm driving. Sometimes okay. it's a little rougher than other times. Yeah, that is most likely a part called the trying pressure control solenoid and when that solenoid sticks it's going to run the pressure up real high and so it's going to slam into gear and the bad news is that slamming into gear can break a band it can damage the case it can do all kinds of damage the way you have to check that is you're going to have to have it when it's doing it you got to put a pressure gauge on and a scan tool on it so you can see what's being commanded and what's happening and what the pressures are doing and if it's not commanding pressure rise and the pressure's rising, we know that it's likely the solenoid is sticking and it's just bleeding too much pressure through. Now, the bad news beyond that is normally if it is a solenoid sticking, what causes the solenoid to stick is that you're starting to produce a lot of debris inside the transmission. And those little metal particles, because these solenoids are electromagnets, they tend to stick to the magnets. And I'm not saying that's what it is because a solenoid can just fail, but they don't fail very often. Most of the time what we find when we do find a bad solenoid is we drop the pan, we take the filter off, and we cut it open, and it's all full of metal. And what's happening, the transmission is generating metal, which means it's close to the end of its life at that point. Now, I'm not wanting to scare you unnecessarily because it is possible just the solenoid went out now there's also some sensors on the outside that can cause it to command higher pressure when it shouldn't for instance if there's a map sensor on that engine if the map sensor is bad and it shows low engine vacuum it thinks that pedal's on the floor so it's going to command way higher line pressure same thing with the throttle position sensor and they've had a lot of trouble with that on that truck if the tps is not reading properly it thinks you got the pedal on the floor it's going to command high line pressure and it's going to slam into gear. So pretty important to get somebody knows what they're doing to check that because you might be able to head off a big problem. If it keeps doing it, it's likely going to break something. Okay, Lewis, do you have to drop the transmission to change the center noise? No. No, that one you have to drop the valve by, but you don't have to drop the transmission. Okay, so you can get to it like a transmission filter. Well, like a service, a little bit more than that. You may have to drop the valve by, depending on which solenoid it is. But most time, that is something that can be fixed from the outside without taking transmission out. Now, okay. obviously, if you drop the pan and it's got two hands full of metal and a broken snap ring. There ain't no reason to go any further. Yeah, ain't no use to go any further. You, you can either say, yeah. well, go ahead and fix it, or I'm going to button it up and see how far it goes, you know? Okay, I'm the original owner, and it's never been really, you know, driven rough or anything. Right. I did change the fluid at 80,000 miles. But, you know, it's like people. Some of them work out, they never smoke, they eat a good diet, and they keel over at 40 years old. 
Yeah. Other okay. ones do everything wrong and live to be 110, you know. <laughs> it, okay, it's just, so, just, just the way it is. So right now it's only doing it occasionally. So I would get a check. I would get okay. a check right now right. because if you wait and let's say you do have a solenoid that's bad and you break a band, well, now you're in a much bigger deal. Or you tear the case up. Or you break the case, yeah. Right. Right now it's rebuildable. Well, okay. that, or repairable. Part. Or repairable. Right. Or let's it, say you got a throttle position sensor causing it. Fairly easy fix. But you let it go, and like Lewis says, it breaks a band. You got to open the transmission up, right? Or it rips the uh, tang off the case housing or something, right? Then you're into a new unit. That's right. Okay, because it ain't really rough now, but it's, it's a harder shift than I normally have. It's from well, and second. you know, you may go in and check it and not find anything. You could service it. You could cut the filter open, make sure there's no metal. There's some things you can right. do. You can scope the TPS. You can check the map sense. You can look at the inputs to it. You may find something, you may not, but at least you got some peace of mind that, hey, this isn't fixing to go out tomorrow. All right, real good. I All got right. another question, Louis. Okay, go ahead, man. Y'all talk about oh, flushing out your power steering fluid. It's yes, just, uh, you know, get a, a turkey baster yes, and sir. just drain it, refill it, and do sure. that about three times? Absolutely. Right. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, thank y'all. All righty. You're welcome. Thanks, sir. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Brett on the line. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, guys. How y'all doing this doing morning? Great, doing sir. great. Hey, we've got to be doing great, man. The weather changed. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> no matter what's going on, it improves everything. That's yep. right. Improves <laughs> my, my outlook. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Hey, I got a question. I did. I got a well, 2000 model Chevrolet S10 Extreme. Okay. Or the 4.3. Uh, I had a little lifter noise in it and had the inherited intake manifold gasket that's yes, known right. for leaking on that little motor. Mm-hmm. Right. So I changed all that out. I pulled it up in my I pulled it up in, it was working motor little motor was running good. I mean as far as fired up, crank it right up. All that was doing good. Put it all back together. While I had it apart, I went and bought a couple of some sensors that were hard to get to while I had it apart. My, it had so many miles, nothing had ever been done. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, I don't mind. My daughter's going to be driving. She's going to Mississippi back roads and all that. Well, anyway, I put it all back together. I marked everything. I put the distributor back. He took pictures. And I also right. I put it back right where the mark was with the little, little looking little triangle deal to make sure the timing's right. I know that's right. not the timing on that. That just... You know, I know it's a cam sensor and a crankshaft sensor. Sorry, hey, sure. You can hold on just a second. We're up against a break. I'm getting right back to you after the break. I'm going to take a quick little break and be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. And that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work. A new AC and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car? So how much you paid for it six years ago? $40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it costs you $30,000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about $2,500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about $1,200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh? Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my old car. Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer. Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. 
amateur. I don't mind it because the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it, but I can't keep on. Hey, welcome back. You just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. And just before the break, we were talking to Brett. And, Brett, you got a little 4.3 liter in a S10. What exactly is it doing now, Brett? It will not start. No fire. And uh, no fire at the coal. Of course, none of the spark plug yes, wires. Yes, sir. None of, so I said, let me go check the coal. Well, you, what you need to do, Brett, is most likely on that one, you're not getting a signal out of the distributor. And check the – there's like a magnet on top of that distributor, and that has to turn. That's what actually produces the spark and that little sensor underneath there. There's a procedure. you got to get a manual to give you all the different pins to check and all that stuff, but you can actually put a voltmeter on there, and you can see the pulses coming out of there. If you got pulses and it's still not firing – I would probably look at that little module inside the distributor, but I think you can find that problem inside the distributor. Well, I check. Okay, a friend of mine had a brand-new distributor. Hadn't mm-hmm. even been in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Just sitting on a shelf. Mm-hmm. I put it in there. I said, okay, this got to work. And by the way, I changed crankshaft sensor. Mm-hmm. So just because well, it was down there and I was yeah, right there. And so again, said, what you want to do, you see, you changed all this stuff, and you're assuming it's all good. Right. A known no, part no. is not a good part. No, I, I know that I... I did that when I had to. Yeah. I had to put a. I put the cover on the front. Uh, leak on the front seal. Mm-hmm. So I, said, I got the cover off. Yeah. Put this in there so my daughter. Well, and you may have put a bad sensor in there, and now it won't start. See Fair again, problem. same, same the, thing. You got to go back in it. Yeah, I mean, same thing. Though you got to go in. You got to find, or you will maybe, maybe, maybe until you're plumb out of money. What you're going to have to do is go in and find out why it's not firing. Because the fire has got to have a signal. It's got to have voltage going into the distributor. It's got to have voltage going to the call. So check all those things. You're going to find that problem. Just saying, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. You will run out of money before you run out of maybes because there's a whole bunch of maybes, even a PCM. But you, what you have to do is you're going to need to get your manual that tells you what pins to check. Check voltage on those pins see where the signal is where the signal isn't and that way you'll find it if not you don't have the wherewithal you just don't care to do it you can take somebody have a check it for you it's not a real difficult find but you got to have a systematic approach because you don't know if the parts you put on are good they're new but that doesn't mean they're good could have a defective part and then you go off on a tirade of spending money checking other things and right there's parts that come out of the box we turn them away right out the box absolutely so try that and i think you'll find your problem i appreciate the call man all right we're going back to phone lines with troy good morning troy doing Doing great good morning all right, I have a 2000 GMC Dually, okay. 6.5 turbo. Yes, sir. When I crank it, it's going to surge up and down and run rough. Yeah, that's a 6.5 diesel? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah, see, I don't know a whole bunch about diesels, Troy, because I don't work on them myself. I'm trying to think. I know I had a diesel guy at one time, and I have heard this symptom before, and I just We can't. mostly get it on the Ford trucks, and the injector's start going bad on the Ford trucks, yeah. and they'll okay. run for the dicking when they're when they're cold. They won't run worth yeah, a darn. No, no power in No them. nothing. They'll miss real bad, and then once they warm up, they'll take it'll off. start running fine. Yeah. Right. But that, like I said, that's on a Ford. I'm not that familiar with the, the Chevrolet. Yeah, I tell you, be honest with you, we hardly see the Chevrolet engines anymore. They just don't give much trouble. I mean, that's one of the best engines out there. I know okay. when that engine first came out, they had a lot of injector problems, and I think they extended the warranty on injectors to maybe 200,000 miles, at least 100,000 miles. Okay. Maybe even 200,000. But, again, I'm not that familiar with a diesel. I know there are a lot of little components, and I have heard that symptom before. I tell you, if you want to send me an email, I'll look in service data and see if I see any kind of bulletins or anything on it, and I'll see if I can get you a better answer. 
Okay, could you give me your email? Yeah, just go to my website. It's agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Hit the contact button, and it'll go straight to me. Okay, I appreciate it. All right, Troy. Y'all have a great day. Yes, Thank you. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. We certainly love to hear from you. Appreciate all the folks who have called in today. Had a pile of calls I'm telling all you. at one time there. That's <laughs> great. That is. And a lot of times people don't get a chance to call in. There's some folks who just don't want to call. They just don't want to right. be on the radio. Or maybe they're driving along and they can't stop to call, but they've got a question. And the best way to handle that is to go to the website. Right. You can go to our website. It's just agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Just type that. Click that. Type. Fill out the form and send it in. It couldn't be any easier. That's right. And you never, ever have to worry about us taking your email address and selling it or using it or sending you marketing data. That never happens. No. We're going to answer your email, and that's the last you'll ever hear from us. We don't store email addresses. We don't keep them. We don't retain them because we don't need them. Well, that's one of the things that just aggravates the the dickens out of us. It does. And so I'm not going to... Not going to push that on anybody else. Contribute to that with anybody else. Yeah. We only ask for your email address so we can respond to you. Sure. So I can reply. Beyond that, could care less. I'm right. Not, we're done. Yeah. I'm not going to ever try to aggravate anybody because I'm in business to take aggravation away, <laughs> not to create aggravation. Exactly. But yeah. Just go ahead and send me an email. I will get you an answer back. And sometimes if I happen to be out of town or whatever, I do check my email, but you may be as much as 24 hours, but never more than that. And generally a lot sooner. Last night I got an email. I was happened to be sitting at the computer doing right. some work. And so I immediately responded. Uh-huh. The guy's like, wow. <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, you call me at a good time. Yeah, don't expect that every time. <laughs> now, what you can also do is a search bar on every single page. You might just search for your question because there's a lot of articles and questions that have been answered on the site, and that's even quicker. And sure. That way you can get an immediate answer. But if you just type in a search bar, it'll bring it up if it's on the site. And you may find exactly what you're looking for right there and not even have to send up. Most likely, it's going to be on that site. That site is huge. It is. There's probably close to a million words of text on that site. And a lot of the questions that people commonly have, we've already put on with the answer. Uh So, for instance, if you want to know what's the best oil type viscosity to use in my car. Okay. Well, if you type in viscosity or oil or oil change, let's say you want to know how often should I change my oil. You type that in, it's going to bring up two or three articles on that exact topic. Right. With pictures and photographs and just all these different things, how, why, when, anything you want to know about it. And you can peruse to get as much or as little information as you want. And that's probably the easiest thing. But normally, anytime we get calls, if it's a call I haven't had before or a call I think makes a particularly good point, I'll always go in and write a detailed topic on it. Right. Add it to the question. So that way you can get an answer without even having to send a contact form. And if you don't mind, just go ahead and send me the form if you don't see it. Sure. If nothing else has already been answered, I'll send you a link or tell you where to look for it. And if it's not on there, then I will go ahead and answer. And at the same time, it lets me know what other people are thinking about. So then I get ideas for new sure. topics. That sure. Helps, helps other people. There's only so much you can write about an automobile. And that's right. I think most of it's on that site already. Well, qu- quite a bit of it is, <laughs> I'll guarantee you. I see we got a couple of emails right there. We do. We got a uh, email here from Mr. Sim in Quebec, Canada. Okay. And he was concerned about his vehicle. He's got driving a Chrysler Sebring. Mm-hmm. Said he has no heat in the passenger compartment. And as you know, Quebec, Canada, Gets you need your cold. heater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like having an air conditioner in South Louisiana. Exactly. You got to have it. That's got, not an option. Got to have it. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he said he had checked several things. Right. And of course, the first thing you want to do is check the thermostat and see if the engine is getting to enough temperature to heat the water 
to make the car hot. Sure. Very, very simple, very, very easy. You drop a thermometer in the radiator, see if it's getting the operating temperature. Should be getting up to around 200 degrees. Right. Now, if that temperature is right, the next thing, just a little quick test, is to touch the two hoses that go in and out of the heater core. Uh-huh. If one hose is hot and the other hose is cool, then we know the water is going in, but it's probably not coming out because both hoses should be hot, and they should both be hot to the touch. Correct. You shouldn't be able to keep your hands on them very long. If both of the hoses are hot, then we know the water is probably circulating through the heater core. We're because, probably, because it's actually coming out the other one. It's going right. in one and out the other at the same temp. Right, exactly right. And so we're probably into like some kind of a blend or actuator or something like that. Now, let's say one is hot and the other is cold. Okay. Well, now we know we're not getting flow through the core. Now, that could be that there's a valve of some sort that's stuck or malfunctioned. Right. Some cars have that. Not many anymore, but if it does. They used to. You need to check that first. Could also be the heater core is plugged up because those heater cores will get plugged up. They're mighty fine little Little tubes, right. And that will keep the heat from going And I, I have run into that before. Uh, we did an intake job on a, a S10 Blazer. Mm-hmm. And when we're done, the heater wouldn't work. Right. Well, come to find out, both the uh, heater hoses were the same temperature. They weren't hot and they weren't cold. Right. The water was not flowing through the core. Some of those cores you can actually back flush, right? Flush the trash out of the, the end of the tubes mm-hmm. and get them to work it again. That's right. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't. And another thing that I have seen, not often, but I have seen it, and this is generally combined with an overheating situation, particularly when you drive a long distance. And in Quebec, where as cold as it is, the engine may not be overheating, but you can have a water pump where the impeller is corroded to the point that it's not pumping the right amount of water. Exactly. So if you don't get flow, again, your hoses probably won't be hot enough, so it's an easy little test you can do. But you can pull that water pump and check it, or a shop can actually do a flow test without pulling the water pump and mm-hmm. see if you're getting flow. I've seen that happen where the impellers actually corrode completely away on a water pump. You don't get flow, so the one of the first things you're going to get is the heater's going to quit working. Right, because there's no flow going through it. That's right. It's not pushing that water out. Now, it may push just enough water through the radiator to keep, to the, keep engine. the engine cool, right. especially if you're in a very cold environment. Exactly. You know, if it's... 25 degrees outside it doesn't take a whole lot to keep the engine from overheating cool right but it takes a whole lot to heat that to move that water through the core that's right there you go (laughs) (laughs) and we're going to take one last quick little break and we'll be right back with more on the automotive hour and that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about $15,000. That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, I never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer. And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Well, welcome back, and thanks for spending part of your Saturday morning with us. We really appreciate it. 
and that was our final little break for the day. We're going to get right back to the rest of the show. We've got several minutes left. You give us a call, and we'll get your answer. It's 291-6901. And Otherwise, you'll be wondering all week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you could always send an email. That's right. You could do that. But, yeah, give us a call. We've got plenty of time left. We're glad to get your sure. answer to your question, whatever that might be. Just talking about the water pump and how that can cause issues. I remember not too very long ago, we had a – jeep come in with a four liter and they're kind of notorious for blowing head gaskets sure when they overheat and this poor fella had overheated badly blown a head gasket took it somewhere they replaced the head gasket gave it back to him but it was still overheating right and unfortunately he either didn't take it back or if he took it back they couldn't fix it he kept driving it around and he ends up blowing the head gasket again okay and so I tried to explain to him, I said, look, if it keeps overheating, we've got to fix that problem. He said, well, I think it's overheating because the head gasket's blown. I said, well, it will, but something caused the initial problem. Right. So we went in and did a little bit of diagnosis on it, pulled the water pump. It had no impeller at all. It was completely eaten away by corrosion. Right. And, I remember that one. Yeah. So we ended up redoing the head gasket again, had to have the head machine because it had warped the cylinder head, mm-hmm. replaced the water pump, and I just went ahead and changed the thermostat, too, because whoever had done the work before put a cheap aftermarket junk thermostat in it. Right. So I put a good Chrysler thermostat back in it, and as far as I know, he is still riding. Hadn't heard, it, hadn't heard anything. <laughs> hadn't so heard anything about it. No so news is good news, that's right? absolutely right. <laughs> so you got to watch a lot of times when something happens. You can have more than one problem, and a lot of times one problem begets another problem. Sure. Particularly when a car overheats. For instance, the car overheats, and it blows the head gasket, and the next thing you know, it blows a hose out on the radiator. Uh-huh. And you see the blown hose, and you say, well, the car overheated, I got a blown hose, and put a hose on it. Right. Well, now it blows the lower hose. So you put a lower hose, well, now it blows the heater core. The reason it keeps blowing hoses is because you're getting too much pressure in the system. Right. You're getting too much pressure in the system because the head, the head gasket, gasket is blown. But the reason the head gasket's blown, because you had a malfunction that caused it to blow in the first place. You may have a cooling fan that's not operating. You may have a fan clutch that's bad. You may have a water pump like we're talking about. You may have a thermostat that's not functioning properly or any of several other things. The key is we have to go in and diagnose the whole problem or else you're just going to keep on getting the same issue. You you fix the problems, not the symptoms. That's right. And a blown hose on a car where it actually explodes or blows apart, that's not going to be a problem that's always going to be a symptom sure something caused that hose to blow hoses don't just go out especially nowadays hoses just don't give any trouble anymore if the hose is 25 years old and it's swole up yeah i understand that understand that but let's say you got a five six seven eight nine year old car all the hoses look good but the hose splits Mm -hmm. well there's generally going to be a reason for that and if you don't go in and diagnose the reason particularly if the car has been overheated sure because if it's been overheated, those head gaskets get crushed, they start leaking, combustion leaks into the cooling system, and that overpressures that system. It's right. designed to run at 14 to 16 PSI. Right, and then once you get over that, you start, like you said, start blowing out hoses, blowing clamps off, things of that nature. That's right. I've even seen it blow the neck off of the heater core. Right. Some of the Nissan products have a little plastic neck that goes into the heater core. It'll bust that little neck. Chevy trucks will bust that little T at the firewall a lot of times. Right. Suburbans have a coolant valve. It'll split that little valve. You replace the valve, next thing you know, the little radiator hose pops. Well, right. So you, If you have two problems in a row, <laughs> you need to start looking. You might do that when well, now the radiator tank busts. 
Right. It's just the weakest link. You, That's you, right. You take the weakest link, it breaks. You fix that. Well, it's not the weakest link anymore. That's right. So it just goes to the next weakest part, blows that apart. You right. fix that, and you, it's a vicious circle. Well, it is. And what happens is that, let's say 25 PSI is the magic number that's going to blow something. Well, like you said, the weakest part is going to blow out. When it blows out, the pressure is relieved. Sure. So nothing else is going to happen. Well, you fix that. Now, that part is new, so it's certainly stronger than the rest. Maybe it can withstand 30 pounds of pressure now. Well, the next older part, pop. Exactly. What you're doing is you're using the components in your car as a pressure relief valve. Right. And that can go on and on, and each time that engine overheats, the problem gets much, much worse. Sure. Not only that, but with, say, a blown head gasket, you can start leaking coolant into the oil, which can take out the lifters, it can take out the rod bearings, it can take out the main Take out the engine. Take out the entire engine pretty quick. At very least, it's going to sludge everything up, make the engine non-rebuildable in many, many cases Mm -hmm. if it goes on very long. It can also cause all kinds of other issues. You know, it will cause a misfired idle, or when you start the engine, you may have a misfire, rough running because coolant's leaking into the cylinder. Right. That's going down past the rings, getting into the oil. Another really bad thing that we see quite a bit is folks will have a blown head gasket, and it runs rough when it when you when start it's cold. it. But they keep on driving it. Well, that coolant is going out the combustion chamber. Sometimes you'll see steam coming out tailpipe, but Not- it's also going into the catalytic converter. Right, which is not designed to carry ethylene glycol. Exactly. And that glycol gets into that catalyst, and it gums it all up. It looks almost like jello, and it starts to bake and cook. Mm-hmm. And now you've taken out one or two catalytic converters. At nine to $1,200 a piece. Oh, easily. Let's say you've got a Toyota Sienna. Okay. There are three converters. One, I think, is about $1,200. One's about $1,000, and one's about $400. So, and it never takes out the $400 one first. No, no. It, <laughs> it always takes out that $1,200 one first. That's right. Same thing on Fords. Let's say you got a Crown Vic or a Lincoln Town Car. There right. Two converters on there. They're about, on each side. Yeah, they're about $1,200 a piece. Right. And you can almost total the car out just with collateral damage that could have been prevented. Exactly. It's already an expensive repair because you got to change the head gaskets and possibly even a cylinder head that's cracked. But if you ever want to fix this car now i've seen folks say hey i'm gonna drive it till it drops and i'm gonna junk it uh-huh okay god bless you go ahead well if, and that's your strategy you go know ahead. that that's a great strategy if you can afford it that's right but by the time it happens i know myself i I've, i did that once mm-hmm. and i learned the lesson that's right don't do that no more that's right i mean you take that repair you fix it now you can forget about it that's you right. let it go you're prepared to buy another one when it starts happening well when it happens you're not prepared to buy a new one anymore. You go look, and the price of the vehicles is like wow, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. Didn't know it cost that much. I mean, exactly, a used one's fifteen thousand. Yeah, now I got to fix the one I got, and you bring it in, right? And it's just too little, too late. Exactly. It's kind of like the gentleman who called earlier about his transmission jumping in the gear, popping in the gear real hard. I've seen that, and folks say, "Well, it doesn't do it that much. I'm not that worried about it." Next thing you know, they break a band, the band comes apart, gets in the planetary, rips the planetary apart. Sure. Then you got a non-rebuildable unit. Well, that's right, and they took like. Like a two hundred dollar throttle position sensor job and turned into a three thousand dollar transmission rebuild, and it still got changed the throttle position. Exactly. So it's like the old saying: a, a stitch in time saves nine. If you got a tiny tear in your jacket or a seam coming apart, go ahead and stitch it up now. You don't have to buy a new jacket. Exactly. <laughs> it's only worse because cars, you know, number one, they don't heal. Right. They're not ever gonna get better. And it one thing just tends to beget another and another and another. Well, and then the cars nowadays are they'll cover up problems. 
That's right. So much easier than they used to. Like we were talking about in the first segment, a car is designed to hide symptoms from the driver. Sure. So a lot of times you won't realize you have a problem until it's absolutely too late. And I see we're just about out of time. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening to the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and go to your favorite broadcast service and give us a written rating if possible. Whether it's iTunes or Stitcher, give us a written review. That moves us up in the rating so more folks can hear us. We certainly appreciate it. Also gives us a big old smile on our face when we see it. Big old slap on the back. That's right. (laughs) Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.